Enjoying a working lunch. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome one and all to episode 414 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week in his own living room by English Dan. Hello. And by Tony. Hey everybody. Welcome back Tony, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, Now we're recording early this week because of um, Moscone Cup (laughs) pool competition which I want to get back and watch this afternoon. And uh, I thought it might go on into the evening. Probably isn't going to, sorry American fans, but hey, you know. Maybe one year you'll be competitive. Um, but we've got some football to review. Two rounds, I think, right? Uh, yes, because last time we recorded, River had won the league with that 4-0 nice. win over Racing. Sorry, Dan. That's all right. And uh, since then, yeah, there have been two rounds of action. Uh, let's give you some results. Tacheres beat Aldo Sibi 2-0. Patronato lost 3-0 at home to Godoy Cruz. Feels like Godoy Cruz away wins, a few and far between, but I have to admit I've not been paying a hell of a lot of attention to them. Estudiantes beat Vélez 1-0. Rosario Central drew 2-2 with Riber Plate in a match that, first of all, saw Rosario Central go 2-0 up and saw Marco Ruben first equal and then overtake the previous holder of the title of Central's all-time record goalscorer. Who was? I can't remember his name, but uh, Ruben is now on... 101 goals for them I think or it might be exactly 100 uh, I can't remember whether he started the game on 99 or whether they in whether his first goal in the match was his 99th um, so congratulations to him Rebe came back uh, from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 and protect their unbeaten uh, run Argentinos 3 Gimnasia 0 Defensa Justicia 1 Colón 1 Union 3 Atletico Tucumán 0 Racing 3 Lanús 1 Platense 4, Huracan 2, Central Cordoba 5, Arsenal 0. When was the last time Central Cordoba scored 5 in a top flight match? Has it ever happened? I, I think it's ever happened to me. Of course, yeah. Well, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> San Lorenzo. <laughs> San Lorenzo. <laughs> it's basically, they do it once a year, <laughs> and you're unlucky if you're on the receiving end of it. San Lorenzo 1, Sarmiento 0, Boca 0, Newells 0, and Banfield 4, Independiente with two men sent off, one. Those were the results for round 23. And then round 24 went Central Cordoba 2, Union 0, Colón 3, Atletico Tucumán 0, Vélez 0, Patronato 0, Arsenal 1, Boca 1. Boca, of course, were warming up in that match for the Copa Argentina final, which we'll get to in a second. Godoy Cruz 2, Platense 2, Sarmiento 1, Tacheres also warming up for the Copa Argentina final, 2. Lanús 2, Rosario Central 2, Huracan 1, Racing 0. La Plata Clásico, I hope you're sitting down if you've not heard the result of this one already. Gimnasia y Esgrima 4, Estudiantes 4. Ridiculous match, which I'm looking forward to talking about in a minute. Independiente 1, San Lorenzo 1, River 2, Defensa y Justicia 3. Another fantastic match, and that, of course, brought an end to River's very long unbeaten record. Aldo Civi 3, Argentinos Juniors 2, and Newell's Old Boys 0, Banfield 0. In Maxi Rodriguez's last match as a professional footballer. Because he won't be playing this weekend then? I presume not. After, I mean, it would be a bit of a yeah, a bit of a comeback. It, obviously, it's going to be his last so home match, whatever. Because they're, away, they're away to San Lorenzo yeah, um, so. on Sunday. But, I mean, after the big song and dance <laughs> they did about it, I think it would look a little bit silly if they now stick him in the starting line yeah. up on Sunday. Um, and then in the Copa Argentina final, which was played on Wednesday, Wednesday. night, uh, Boca had their backs against the wall for a large part of the second half, having had a man sent off. I missed who it was. Um, because I was in another room for a mm. couple of minutes when it happened. Um, Tacheres put a lot of yeah 
Tacheres put a lot of, of pressure late on but couldn't break through and on the in the shootout it was Boca who lifted the cup for their uh, fourth Copa Argentina win I think that puts them one, one ahead of River again 2012 2015 I think something like that and then there was another one yeah. we'll have to look up the numbers and maybe we could do a very short extra on um, the history of the Copa Argentina uh, later on for, in many um, ways it's the history of Hand of Pod as well because they've run yes. almost concurrently yeah, yeah. and probably no one thought either would last as long as they actually have <laughs> that's a very nice parallel to draw um, thank you sir anyway yeah off the top of my head I think that River and Boca were tied on three each prior to this year so that puts Boca one ahead again um, so rather than go through all of the matches that we just mentioned because there were 20 of no there were more than that weren't there because there were not 10 matches each weekend. Um, there's 26 of them. Um, let's talk about... I mean, we have to start with the La Plata Clásico, don't we? Which, I mean, Dan was telling me before we started recording just how entertaining he found it and how much he was looking forward to saying about it. Yes, indeed. Um, I was uh, on the edge of my seat the whole way through. Um, to be honest, I completely forgot about it. I was a little sick uh, last week with a stomach bug. Uh, Sunday I finally felt a little bit alright and I didn't have work or anything so came to the afternoon and I thought there's nothing really to do I'm, I'm gonna go and have a nap. Woke up and saw that not only had the La Plata Classic had taken place that it was a hit goal thriller which I don't think anyone really could have predicted but should have known better really you know Pulga Rodriguez he can sprinkle his magic on even the dullest most one-sided uh, game of football, I believe. Indeed he can, and he sprinkled it to um, contribute a hat-trick to what is the highest-scoring La Plata Clásico in history. Uh, the the previous wow, wow. highest number of goals had been seven, and they were all for Estadiantes. <laughs> yeah. Back in, what, 2009 or something, wasn't it? 2007? Seven goals in 2007, huh? Seven yeah, 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 you might be right, actually. Um he had a save, uh, a penalty saved, in fact, um, with the score still at 1-0 to Estudiantes after Gustavo del Prete giving them the lead from a corner 23 minutes in. Um, a few minutes later, the spot kick was saved. But he then scored twice in fairly quick succession to turn the match on its head for the first time um, and make it 2-1 to Gimnasia. Nicolas Paschini equalised five minutes before the break, but Brian Aleman, on the stroke of half-time, scored an absolute stonker. Um, 30 yards out at least, it might have been 35, um, with that magic left foot of his. In After an hour, so what's that, 15 minutes into the second half is what I was going for, um, Luis Rodriguez scored a penalty to make it 4-2 and vanish the ghosts of his previous save. Uh, Fabian Noguera then pulled one back for 4-3 for Estudiantes with still 25 minutes to go and then Leandro Diaz with 11 minutes left equalised for them and made it actually a little bit disappointing that nobody found a winner in the end given that there were still more than 10 minutes to go when that yeah. goal went in. And then I did see that Diaz made an absolute tip of himself after the game. Did you tell? Like, just sure. mouthing off in the interview then like in Asia can never win because they're gagonis and they're just horrible people or so. And I think he's only been at Estudiantes for like a year or so. I mean, if Andujar does it, you know, mm. maybe you give him a pass, but come on, Leander, don't be a dick. Andujar did um, come out in his own interview with um, something along the lines of, well, you know, they haven't scored against me in absolutely ages. <laughs> and I thought it's a little bit off to play the Billy Big Balls when they've just scored four goals against you. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. they haven't beaten, they've not, I've, I've never lost to them in a, Plata, a La Plata Classico or something like that. And it's like, yeah, mate, you didn't contribute much to this victory, to this draw. No, it was sort of despite you. Exactly. Well, I don't know if he had anything, was he at fault for any of the goals in particular? I mean, he got beaten by an absolute looter, as I said, from Ali Man. Yeah. Um, the others were, I mean, the, the spot kick and I can't remember Rodriguez's first two, what they looked like. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I were in Andujar's place, I just remember thinking when he said it after the match, I, I would not be, <laughs> I'd be trying to remain as quiet as possible. There's nothing wrong with the dignified silence. Though. Want to hear something funny about the Always. Uh, the last 
time that Gimnasia won, uh, Classico de la Plata was in 2003, mm -hmm. right? And that game ended 4-2, which will be mm -hmm. probably the result that mm -hmm. Gimnasia was hoping to keep until the end of the game, until of course, yeah, came yeah. back to score two more goals. But we are repeat of the last there we go. Um, time that Gimnasia won a game against Estudiantes. It's been almost 20 years. It's yeah. A long yeah. time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, I was 10 years old. I was, I can't remember which half of the year it happened in, but I was either just about to or had just come to Argentina for the very first time. Oof. Time flies <laughs> right. Um, so well done to both sides for taking part in that fantastic game. Uh, River versus Defensa Justicia. Defensa got a clever win. Um, I think it's Fair to say, at halftime, River had a 1-0 lead, thanks to Enzo Fernandez, who finished a nice, neat little move, if I remember rightly, uh, 10 minutes in. Uh, Defensor came out with a lot of spirit in the second half. I'm not going to say they came out all guns blazing, because really, if you just look at the raw stats, it was mostly River. I mean, R River really should have won the game, looking at the numbers. Um, and yet, looking at the way that Defensor managed to sort of manage the game, um, I thought it was a well-deserved win, really. Walter Bull equalised. Miguel Merentiel gave them the lead about 10 minutes later. Brian Romero very quickly um, pulled it back level for Riber. Against his uh, team. Of course, yes, against his old side. One of several. Um, and then with... That was with still about 16 minutes to go. And Franco Paredes finished a really nice counter-attack to make it 3-2 to, to Defensa with a few minutes left. And Riber didn't really offer very much in stoppage time. Defensor um, are now the team in the best form in the whole league take it, overtaking River. They have won. Oh, like. One, two, three, four, five, six. Nine of their last 11 games in drawn two. Hmm. Uh, their last defeat come in in September against San Lorenzo of all teams. Amazing. I think that really stung them, you can see. Yeah. If you like. it's like, it can only get better from here. The indignity. Yeah. Of, um, and it takes them up to third in the table. Yeah, I think they're in Libertadores now, they must be. Or, or is it? Have you got the annual table there, Dom? I will if you have, then consult you can it very rapidly. Tell better than I can. Ah, they're just outside. Yeah, they're not going to make it. Um, I think it would be Estudiantes, right? In fifth, who would have the last Libertadores place by virtue of league with Boca. Let's now being Copa Argentina champions, and they are five points behind the Estudiantes. So they can't quite make it, they'll be in there. Um, yes, that might be right. Estudiantes? It's the... Christ, how long has it been since Estudiantes have been in the Libertadores? That's I, up, isn't it? On the one hand, I agree with you, but on the other hand, I've been willing to bet a small amount of money that it's not been as long as we think, and we've just forgotten about it. I think it's... Gotta be five, six years. Mm. Gotta be, at least. That sounds about right. I mean, I'm struggling to remember any participations since they won it in, what was that, 2009? 2009. Obviously, they will have yeah. taken part in 2010 as the holders, but I can't remember what they did. <laughs> no, 2011, I think they were there as well as champions, but then after that, very little to shout about for Estudiantes. Mm. Indeed. Anyway, we'll get on to, the, um, to that situation in more depth a little bit later. But yeah, Defensive Justicia look like one of the sides who are slightly unlucky to be missing out on that. But on the other hand, I guess you could say that they, sh they ought to be thinking of it as contenders for Copa Sudamericana. Yeah. If, for a change, they decide to try and keep their team together. Which they probably won't because they're mm -hmm. Defensive Justicia. Um, anyway... Other, oh, this is on the match. I'm still looking at not the. Um, I was looking at the standings from the match tab rather than the, the league. Um, other matches this weekend, then, gents. The the past weekend that, that you particularly enjoyed. Were there any? I know that well, Union and Racing both lost, didn't they? So possibly not. No, that was a horrible, horrible match for Racing. They just played terrible, and it was surprising because uh, they were coming off a. A good, a good win against Lanús, because Lanús on an easy team to beat by any means. Uh, they're usually up there and got a lot of goals, and they went ahead fairly early. 
Um, but for once, Racing bounced back, and they even had a little bit of a luck, which was which is quite welcome. Uh, and then against Oregon, it was just right back to square one. Pitiful, pitiful stuff. Um, just deserved to lose against Oregon. I mean, I can't really summarise it uh, much more succinctly than that. How much pressure is Gago going to be under this early on? Uh, I think he'll be happy that um, that the season's ending uh, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, that definitely won't be a miss. Um, it all comes down. I mean, Racing probably will squeeze into the Sudamericana unless something very strange happens tomorrow and they lose and all the other results go against them. Tony, which empanada are you looking for? You're making you very nervous. I'm a Jesus. Yeah. There's more... Oh, more than that. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I'm banana crisis here. Um, got tiny pouring over all of our meat pockets. No, no, I'm, no I'm meat. just picking them around them, to be honest. Don't meat. I don't want to meat one. Thing is, Tony asked for, um, for one in particular and uh-huh. is determined to hunt it down. I hope it's not this one. No, I don't think Good. Um, anyway, where was I? Yeah, if Russian get into the sort of Manicana, they're at least going to salvage some from. What's well, been a rather difficult year, as I might have mentioned on the pod a couple of times. Um, I think there's not much money, but there probably is a little bit uh, to bring in a few new players, and there'll be a couple of guys who should be coming back on from line. Uh, particularly, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think Ojeda, Martin Ojeda, who's had a very good year for Godoy Cruz, hmm. should be back. Uh, but again, don't quite me on it. Uh, and there, possibly, I think he will be given the chance to put together his team and see what he can do. But he's going to be right on the cosh. Um, I don't think he'll go this December or before the new season, but a couple of bad results to kick off the new season would be tough to take. Um, he's definitely on, um, on thin ice. And the new season starts... I think at the end of January, doesn't it? I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. So by Argentine standards, it's going to be... Or I guess, I don't really know compared with the last few years, but compared with what we um, grew up in Argentine terms, in, in terms of our early um, lives here, being used to, it's going to be a pretty short pre-season because we're finishing the season well into mid-December when normally it would be over like the first weekend. And it's going to be starting in late January rather than early February. Yes, I think they'll have three weeks off, come back on 2nd, 3rd of January, and then, yeah, straight into it. Tony. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you about Union. They're not one of the teams we talk about more on this podcast, even when you are here. Yeah. Partly because, um, you know, as far as I'm aware, we don't have lots of listeners who support them either. But um, this weekend, for some reason, on the last round of... Uh, weekend of matches, we have the Santa Fe Classico. We do. Um, a, why have they scheduled it like that? And B, how do you think it's going to go? I have no idea why the um, the calendar is saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to play probably the most one of the spiciest yeah, classicals yeah, yeah. in the country on the last, in the last day. With Copa Sudamericana qualification up for grabs for at least one of the teams, I think. Yeah, um, yes, yeah, Colón are already ready and yeah, yeah. uh, But also, I don't think it's going to be me, me because of, of being playing last uh, match day. It's going to take a lot of the possible nervousness and tension that might might have any other day or any other time in the calendar. Obviously, it's going to be tense, and everybody wants to win a, a derby mm. and, and have the bright rides and, and all that, but. It takes a little bit away because if Union had maybe a good <clears throat> run during the tournament and it didn't happen, but let's assume that that could have happened, and then play the Classico and maybe both teams being in the run for Sudamericana will add much more spice to it. It will be really more interesting. Uh, in terms of how that might go, I think it's quite open. Colón is not the same team. There's a little bit of fatigue. Um, uh, on the players and a little bit on, on Dominguez too. Uh, some games looks like the Colón won the, the tournament against Racing. 
sometimes it looks like a really mediocre team and, and not really doing the things that they were doing that brought them to, to the, that place. And, um, they don't play that good football all the time. And Union, it's, uh, it's really difficult to know how Union is going to play. Against Atletico de Guzman, look like Fran Barcelona. just have such <laughs> random results. Like, yeah. They win 3-0 and then lose 4-0 and yeah, then yeah. draw 7 games 0-0. You really don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't know if, if Munoa still knows how to do, what to do with the team, what to do with the players. Mm. Um, and surely the precision is going to do some good for him and, and understand and assess clearly which players have to go and, and where he has to, to find some some new players. But I think it's just it's just gonna be for, for you know for the for the pride and, and, and all that. I don't think it's gonna change too much. Uh Colin surely have a little bit of advantage in terms of uh, being the favourite to win the game. And you think they'd love to leave Union out of the sort of Anagana, right? That'll be very uh, But very I think that's basically impossible. Is it? Yeah I think yeah. it's Let's see. Really difficult that to happen. Um, if not completely out. Well, Union at the moment are just below Central. They're just outside the Sudamericana spots. For what? Two points, three points? For, no, no, oh, they're level on, on goal points. They're just behind them on goal difference. Oh, okay. So. Oh, if they win, they should be in there. Because you'd think either Racing or Remind Central would, would lose. What is point? Uh, which one of the. Let's if, see. If Colón plays. So, they, Union need. Either a draw and for Racing and Central to both lose. Oh no, yeah. for Racing or Central to lose. Yeah. Or they need a win and for either Racing or Central to drop points. That doesn't sound awfully improbable to me. Union are at home. I, I think that the Racing, that Racing are at home to Godoy Cruz and Central are at home to Huracan, who are about as difficult to predict as Union, to be honest. Yeah. I think, like. um, I think then, then it might change a little bit. I thought Union was already, already out of everything. <laughs> Um, and Union playing at home it's been like five years since the last time the Colón win in the 15 of April so oh. I think it's going to be a tough task for Colón I think it's going to add a lot more spice forgot everything I just said I think, <laughs> I, I th I think it's going to be a, a contested one because Union does need the money uh, after all the uh, things they're doing to the stadium to make it a little bit bigger mm. and all that I think Union will the splash of cash even it's not like Champions League level, <laughs> it's gonna help a lot. No, not quite. But it's gonna help a lot for sure. And it's done this. Yeah, and stop trying to get players for free like Nicolas Blandi that basically <laughs> didn't play a single minute for for the for Union. So yeah, I think it's gonna be a spice. I think Union has a little bit of the advantage, uh, but also it all depends on which Cologne we're gonna see. If we're gonna see the Cologne that uh, show us good football, it's gonna be hard. But you never know, these two teams are really quite mercurial to, to predict what's going to happen. Mm. Mm -hmm. Great use of the word mercurial there. Thank you. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to make the point that you can tell, even just from the standings, Union have drawn four matches all season, but their wins and losses, if they were to win especially, on, on, on tomorrow, I was going to say on Sunday, and then I realised it wasn't, um, then their wins and losses would be very nearly even. They've won nine and lost 11 so far. So with such a small number of draws, that really is, it's either feast or famine. You just can't, you don't know what they're going to do, as you say. Um, yeah, we shall see. Um, Copa Argentina final, gents. Before we go to a half-time break, we should discuss that as well. And before we discuss this, I'm going to correct myself. 2017, the last time Colón won in 2017. Place, yeah. Then it's oh wow, yeah, that's um a little bit of time. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, Copa Argentina final. 22 <laughs> men chase the football around the field and then Boca win on penalties. Yeah, that's Place. pretty much how it felt. Well, I mean, it it, it wasn't. Um, it's not going to go down in the long and glorious history of Copa Argentina finals as one of the classics. No, probably not. Not that I can remember many of them. <laughs> not, like, not like the one I did between Boca Rosales and Dial, for example. Ah, the infamous. It yeah. really heated yes. and things really went. Yeah. I um, really know that one. Yeah, the... I mean, I know you can't tell everything with numbers, but the statistics are uh, each side managed seven shots. Mm. Each side managed to have one shot on target um, and that's that's really about it and as I said I, I missed the first half but the second was sort of largely 
Tashera is dominating after Boca were reduced to 10 men. Uh, which um, happened in the 66th minute. It was Juan Ramirez who yeah, got sent off. Five minutes after the first bookend, if I'm mm. wrong. Um, I made kind of a sociological experiment on that one because I was in Cordoba when that game happened. And I choose, yeah, we're going to go out and see how the Tachera's faithful react to the game. It was really quite fun to watch. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Bino and, and yeah. Fred going around, which also was... Burning cars, times... Uh, everything you can think of. Um, but yeah, I think Tachera should have won the game uh, mm. in terms of uh, what well, we... We saw the game, I think that they had a lot more of the ball, had a lot more of the chances. Mm. Boca looked like a really shy team or even fearful of, of the share yeah. at the point. They just didn't want to go, go behind, basically. Yeah. They? And yeah, if they kept that clean sheet, they had a decent chance. Yeah, and a goal would have absolutely destroyed them, I think. But the Shedders, compared to, again, the Shedders a couple of months ago, lost a little bit of that magic to score and find some difficulties of late mm. to be as clinical uh, yeah, pick, pick and, and this game yeah. is, is shown, they had chances and and, and I think <clears throat> what Boca did well and I don't know if Fatavia thought of this or not but what Boca did well was to take some part of the games or, or big part of the games to the territory Boca wants to be played with which is uh, hard tackles, mm. contested balls and not trying to make the game as fluid as the Shedder would like, uh, even if in the second half the Shedder has, you know, the, the advantage in terms of play, uh, the game from the get-go was really tough and with some, oh, interesting, so some interesting tackles to watch. Jesus. Yeah. So I think that was probably what Luka wanted the game to go to, you know, get to the penalties and mm. get done with it. Yeah, you'd have thought so. Mm. Yeah, I think once it got to penalties, it, it wasn't really any doubt who was going to win, right? Yeah. Five very good penalties from Boca, I must admit. Yeah. Yeah, and the advantage of having a lot of fans in the stadium. From oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was fun because... But it's in Santiago, right? So it was in Santiago. Chile, must have had that, that a fair a, few. That was about to say that I arrived to Cordoba that day around 7 a.m., I yeah. think, and I went uh, in front of Patio Olmos, which is probably one of the focal points in Cordoba, uh, to gather. Mm. Uh, anytime you want to meet someone, yeah, you just go there. Uh, and there were like 16 buses, mm ready to take a lot of people <laughs> in blue and white yeah that was, that was fun to watch yeah is that the big shopping center there the, yeah they the coach terminal yeah see i've been to cordoba now i know this yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful i can actually picture it in my head when you say it um yeah uh hector fertoli had his penalty saved it was the tashera's second kick of the uh, shootout like, by, <laughs> yeah, by Agustin <laughs> Rossi and apart from that nobody missed on either side um, so it was you know it wasn't just Boca who were hitting good penalties um, I thought Herrera could have stretched there there was a few he got a hand to but yeah there were a couple where you keep it out where, where, where the behind goal mics picked up a sort of the the impact of the ball with the player's foot yeah. and then also another impact before it crossed the line because there was one which you couldn't really see when the goalkeeper got a hand to it or not but you heard it and then the second one the one after that I think he definitely did because it went up into the roof of the net mm-hmm. um, but yeah very satisfying thunk noises but no <laughs> no real drama really once that Fertoli save had um, had happened um, so you're saying that the, high, the, the, the MVP of the game was the, the meat work possibly I wouldn't I, mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say no to that from, as I said I missed the first half but from what I saw after that that was the most satisfying bit by far, uh, as a neutral, because you know, and it, it's a bit of a shame, really. It, it would have been nice, especially after the um, you know the form that they were showing earlier in the season, to to see Tasheris win something, yeah. right? Like I don't know whether that's ever happened before at national level, mm. and, and the top flight level. I mean, I, I doubt it. I they've they've so. definitely never been league champions, no. and they definitely haven't won the Copa Argentina yeah. before. So, <laughs> what Copa? Not. Did they win the Copa Mercosur or something at some point? Yes, 19. They did, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so this would have been maybe arguably the biggest trophy that they've won, uh, <laughs> depending on whether we're counting the Copa Mercosur as, as major or not. I think this one would have. Yeah, but it, I mean, personally, every time that a, a team from the interior gets to a final, yeah, I do root for them. Yeah, I, yeah. I want I want more more uh, winning teams in, in the interior and, and take a little bit of the. Um, 
how everything is centralized in, in Buenos Aires. It's always were, fun to see. You were rooting for Colón against Racing in May. I root for nobody actually. Mm. But I wasn't dissatisfied mm. with Colón winning because I had a lot of friends that are going fine. Uh, so. right. Anyway, I will be happy for you if, if Racing won. So. Okay. I'll accept it. I'll accept it. <laughs> Not convinced, but. Tony always looks for the positives. In, in, Indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, so it's, it's a shame in a way that Tacheres couldn't, couldn't pick up the, the trophy, but uh, congratulations to Boca. It was certainly hard fought, if not necessarily all that well played for. Um, and it means... Oh, no, but they were both already in the Libertadores, mm-hmm. weren't they? Because Tacheres <laughs> had already qualified anyway, uh, and therefore... When the final was confirmed as being Tacheres v Boca, that meant that Boca also were already qualified for the Libertadores. Yes, because um, they would have gone through. Because even finals. if Tacheres had won, yes. yeah. they would have taken the Copa Argentina place. Um, so congratulations to both teams. You're both yeah. going to be in the Copa Libertadores next year. Hopefully you will meet in it and Tacheres get a chance for revenge. I'm not sure I'd want to be playing Boca Juniors in the Copa Libertadores. Oh, but it will <laughs> definitely yeah. have their game faces uh, on. That would be fun to watch with a campus full of True. True. Um, for now, I think we're going to take a very short halftime break, get a bit more water, which is what we're drinking today, <laughs> or what I'm drinking anyway, um, and we'll come back in a minute and talk a little bit more. just realised, looking at the Tabla Anual, is that after this weekend, the last weekend, everyone's going to finish having played 38 matches, huh. which uh, is the amount that I would normally think of as a league season. Uh, obviously, they've not all played everybody else the same number of times and home and away and stuff, because they And excluding the teams that play playoffs, I assume. Yes, that doesn't count the knockout stage of the Copa de la Liga, it's just the group stage. Um, but anyway, uh, the Tabla Anual is going to be uh, won <laughs> for what matters uh, by River. they're on 74 points, Vélez is second with 70 Tachéra is a third with 66, so Vélez are also already assured of second place in it uh, Colón have 64 points, Estudiantes have 61 and Boca have 60 those six teams are in the Copa Libertadores 2022 by virtue of uh, for River, Colón and Boca by virtue of winning things, the league, the Copa de la Liga and the Copa Argentina respectively, and for Vélez Tacheres de Estudiantes by virtue of finishing nice and high up the Tabla Anual. Um, Defensa Justicia and Lanús both have 56 points, both are already in next year's Copa Sudamericana. Uh, as we mentioned, they can't overtake Boca, they're four points behind them with one game to go. Um, Independiente have 55 points and are already in next year's Copa Sudamericana, so they've been slightly better than Santi might have led us to believe at times this year, perhaps. Um, I think it was a bit disappointing for Independiente that because they had a very good start to the season and then just yeah stopped playing, basically. Mm. Uh, the real flavour country of this closing weekend comes when we look at the teams who are fighting for the last two spots in the Copa Sudamericana. Um, I should point out that Banfield, who are down in 17th in this table, are already in next year's Sudamericana by virtue of having won the Copa Maradona. Which was... Yes, so they won the... the, They were the runners-up or something in the Copa Maradona, weren't they? And then they they won the uh, playoff against Vélez, which was nearly getting on for two years ago now, but qualified them for the 2022 Sudamericana because of how silly the calendar is essentially um, it was certainly more than one year ago because I'm sure that there was we, we, we remarked at the time that even though the 2021 Copa Sudamericana hadn't begun oh no, because it was, it was last January it was last January yes it was played after the, the Sudamericana qualifiers for this year had started yes. so that's why they couldn't qualify for, for this year's Sudamericana anyway uh, so they're already in but the following teams are all within I was going to say three, but actually it's two points of each other. 
uh, and there are two Sudamericana spots left. Those teams are Racing and Rosario Central, and Union and Gimnasia, who all have 50 points and are separated only by goal difference in the order down the table that I just read them in. Um, Argentinos on 48 and a goal difference of plus 2, and Huracan on 48 and a goal difference of minus 3. Um, so, those are the teams we're going to be watching most closely this weekend. This is why, if you've been paying attention to the schedule and you're looking on your live apps or whatever and wondering why there are so many matches taking place all at 5 o'clock Argentine time tomorrow, which would be uh, 8pm if you're in the UK or 4pm if you're on the eastern seaboard of the United States. No, three, two hours. Two, two hours? hours? Yep. Yes. Oh, because they've got the, yeah, they the clock back, didn't they, of course. Uh, so 3pm if you're on the eastern seaboard of the United States. Um, that's why there are so many matches. They're Racing are playing Godoy Cruz, Rosario Central play Huracan. That's two of the teams involved, isn't it? Um, Argentinos host Sarmiento, the Santa Fe Clásico, we've just mentioned, in Unión's stadium and Patronato play Gimnasia. And that game's going to be on space, apparently, which I can't remember ever having Primera División football before. No, it's normally boxing. Boxing normally, or really, yeah. really shit films. <laughs> um, so I might just watch that one for the novelty. Yeah. <laughs> Get the Santa Fe Classic on the computer. And there are worse reasons to watch an Argentine <laughs> football game. Um, anyway, yeah, you don't really have to pay any attention to any of the matches below those. Uh, Godoy Cruz, Banfield, San Lorenzo, Central Córdoba, Platense, Aldo Cibi, Newells, Atletico, Tucumán, Patronato, Sarmiento and Arsenal. Um, there's no relegation at the end of this year. No. One match isn't going to make a hell of a lot of difference to the narrative for the relegation and they can't get in the Sudamericana. So basically, if you're going to watch one or two matches on split screen, then watch one or two of those ones this weekend. And also, you know, let's face it, probably um, the River game against Atletico Tucumán tomorrow evening will probably at least produce some decent football because River are playing um, and Tacheres Independiente as well should be decent um, moving on however we talked I can't remember whether in the last episode or in the episode before that about the climax of the women's um, Primera but we didn't have uh, Tony's incisive women's football expertise to um, really give us a clear idea of what was going on and also to talk us through uh, what I think at the time were the upcoming friendlies, in fact, which is another reason we couldn't talk about them, uh, against Ecuador. Myron, it was yeah, Ecuador, right. it? Yeah. Um, Tony, what's been going on in women's football? Uh, a lot. <coughs> uh, well, the final, sorry, <coughs> was played between Huelvisa uh, and Boca, which was a fun game. Mm-hmm. I was able to get into a stadium because the uh, ticket was one foot, you know, uh, one bag of foot, either rice or... Ah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was a donation. A donation, yeah, sorry, sorry for that. Uh, the, the downside was going to Gilmes. Right. That was, mm. yeah. Uh, Never a highlight of anyone's life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the game was interesting because um, that was the, that one of the cases that the final results of goal scorer didn't tell you how the match went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boca won 5-2, but that game clearly, or surely, in any other day would be 2-1 or 3-2, maybe into, even to Boca's favour. But the difference was made in the goalkeeping. Um, White had a lot of chances that uh, either bad luck, I remember one clearance on the line by Julieta Cruz, that hit on the post. And then the rebound went straight to Oliveros. I mean, that's lucky. If, that's that's the kind of luck that you say, okay, this is the, the this is a final we should yeah. win because it's in our favor. Mm. Um, White had a lot of chances that either Luck or, or uh, Oliveros uh, denied uh, the goals. And on the other hand, Chaquito um, Alvarez, the White Kisa goalkeeper, made a lot of mistakes. Um, not catching crosses or bad positioning that made Boca's job in attack a lot more easier. Uh, I don't want to say that Boca wasn't a, a, a fair winner or, a, a, you know, the, the deserved to win the tournament. They did. Clearly, they're one of the best teams in, in Argentina. But if I want to, to summarize how Boca is right now, probably is the more mortal version of Boca that we saw in the last two, three years. Sure. They right. don't win 
all the all the games finally or the, the teams are starting to lose some kind of fear and they try to go head to head and also in a, sorry to interrupt yeah, but in a way this is kind of what we predicted when women's football went professional that things are going to yeah at first we're going to see an awful lot of one-sided results as we saw in the years before that as well especially with yeah. Kisa. Um but in time everyone being professional is going to raise the standard across the yeah. board and, and make for more competitive matches yeah I mean we saw uh, up to for two years Racing didn't lose against Boca and then we saw Gimnasia doing some uh, good games even losing but for one goal and trying to attack and not just uh, park the balls and hope for the best um, teams are, doing, are starting to do that and, and I think it's, it's going to help a lot um, mm. to, to you know the quality of the tournament and the quality of the play uh, so congratulations to Boca uh, they also won the Copa Argentina, but also won the the national championship, which is gonna have a super final. Uh-huh. Boca gonna, is gonna play San Lorenzo again on Sunday, uh, this time in Platense Stadium, uh, to define which is the winner of the year, I guess. Why San Lorenzo? They won the last tournament. Uh-huh. The okay. one uh, which called Apertura, I suppose, or something right. like that, to use all all vocabulary in Argentine football. Um, <laughs> So it's going to be a repeat of that final, the Tarenzo one on penalties, uh, between, well, the two teams are going to have a place in the 2022 Copa Libertadores, which, if memory serves, is going to be played in uh, Colombia. Argentina, on the other hand, had two um, friendlies against Ecuador. I remember while you were talking that we didn't talk about the result of the women's final last time because they were about to play those two friendlies and the women's final was played after those two friendlies yes. presumably because there were so many Wyokis and Walker players in the Argentina squad yeah. sorry so carry on no worries uh, Argentina drew those two games against Ecuador one in Lille and the other one 2-2 uh, if I want to be honest I think it's a little worrisome that the only win in the la- in the six matches so far that Portanova um, was coaching the, the team only won one, and that one was against Chivas Guadalajara, so not technically uh, mm-hmm. international friendly, more like a, a you know, televised scrimmage or something like that. Um, in my opinion, it's a little bit worrisome heading to the Copa America, which is six months ago uh, to go. Um, it's going to play, it's going to be played also in Colombia. And of the other teams in, in South America are getting better and better. Uh, Uruguay drew against Chile a couple of months ago, which is a huge result for Uruguay. And Nacional de Montevideo getting to the last, um, in the semifinals in the last Copa Libertadores, which San Lorenzo didn't make past the group stage mm-hmm. and lost against Nacional in that group stage. Uh, so, uh, if, if you ask me, we all know that Brazil is going to qualify for both the Olympics and the World Cup, and Chile probably is going to be the second one. And uh, the the fight for the third and fourth place, which the fourth, fourth place is going to be the, um, the playoff against uh, an Asian team, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly, uh, it's going to be a, ru- a really tight battle between Colombia, Uruguay, Venezuela, and obviously Argentina. But is, is it the same number of teams going to the Olympics and the World Cup? No, only the the winner is going to go to the Olympics. So presumably Brazil. And then I the see, second right. one and then the is going to for World Cup qualification. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I think Argentina has a really tough task, you know, because if you think that Ecuador lost for one against Venezuela in the previous international window, and then we couldn't have a win even if it was in the in the altitude, and I don't I don't see yet an identity, a clear identity in the team. Only yeah, let's play from the back, mm-hmm. and when we get to the halfway line, and let's see what happens. Obviously, it's a work in progress. Uh, it's a lot to change from the Barrera style for 20 years and then <laughs> suddenly change to a more, you know, uh, let's say, pretty way to work, to, to, to play, more attacking or, or free. But it raised the question how much time it's, it's yet to, to have the, the identity that surely Partenola wants to have the team and get the results, because obviously, in the end, it's a, it's a sport based on results. Yeah, and in the long term, again, you would expect these improvements in the league to feed through to the national team. But that's in the long term, it's not going to happen overnight, especially when players are all training for, well, they're not all training for different clubs, but there are significant chunks. What is is good for that, and I think it's it's probably 
what will happen in the last, in next year are younger players between 19 and 22 going to top leagues. Mm. Uh, there is one player that's going to go to the United States that play in the final. So that's that's going to help a lot, surely. I mean, having six months in NWSL training, going to the Copa America, is surely going to help the team. Um, and to end the, the little segment of the Women's Football, congratulations to Ferro and Estudiantes de Buenos Aires to promote to the first division. Congratulations. Does that mean they have to go professional? Yeah. Or they already are professional? No, no, no. In the second division, they are not forced to be right. professional. Right. I see. So if you get promoted, then you have a choice of either accepting promotion or... <laughs> or not. Yeah, or, I or don't remaining think they, amateur. I or think what? that publicly have the choice if you know what I mean. The pressure sure. will be yeah, yeah. not really good for us. Oh, no, of course, no. Exactly. I mean, the, the PR of saying, no, actually, we'd rather remain yeah. <laughs> in the second division and not pay <laughs> outlet. But correspondingly, does that mean that the teams who are relegated, I mean, again, it's, it's they basically... They have the obligation to have the contracts. It's basically PR that's obliging them to stay professional. But there, there were no relegations on this one. I see, right, okay. Because I mean, I'm just thinking Sorry, that with, I, 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 in, with the second division, you're not going to have anywhere near as much income for the women's football division. Yeah. And so you're either you have to rely on, obviously they're not going to be in any danger of relegation, but say River, whose men's football operation brings in yeah. so much money that they support like 35 other sports anyway, and it's yeah. not really a problem for them. Um, or if it happens to a club who don't have any money as an institution. Best Potentially, professionalism of, of of that women's team is in danger then if they get relegated, right? Yeah, you can go the, the way you kiss away and, and use it as your main pillar of mm. sporting success. I mean, it could be clever. I, but again, why are Kisa aren't going to get relegated anytime soon? No, um, so I'm going to correct myself. One team is going to get relegated, which is Communications, which also support your point of mm. you know a team that doesn't have a lot of money sure. not yeah. being... Uh, completely supported also yeah yeah you think they'd just go back to amateur right but yeah. yeah I mean that was what I uh, I would assume that and then presumably all of their players are going to be looking around in the Primera for yeah. Yeah. professional contracts to see who can take them but having just been relegated it's a bit not easy so yeah I mean obviously a lot of it's going to take a long time before the whole pyramid of women's football can become professional it's yeah, the good thing is going to happen at some point in the next century, but who knows? Yeah, there's, there's a plan from next year. All the teams have to have both an under 18 and under 16 team. Uh-huh. Uh, the reserves um, tournament was won by Platense, which has an excellent uh, crop of players, mm. uh, young crop of players. They won 3 2 against uh, River Plate. Um, and then the next year, I mean 2024. The number of minimum contracts when we will go from twelve to sixteen, there is you know like a platform to keep on growing and not just say okay let's go professional and you know have contracts and that's that. There's mm. there's an attempt to make it grow more naturally. Yeah. Uh, so I, depending on how that goes, I think we we probably gonna see some results in five, seven, ten years. Yeah. But putting the pressure on the team to say yeah. We qualify for the last World Cup. We should go to the next one. It's not really realistic for mm. a lot of uh, different elements from how the national teams have set up right now. The the difference between the, the players that do play in top leagues and the other ones that make the list and probably, probably playing in the second division of Spain and they're not even in the same squad on the same level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to take a lot of time probably, but there's a lot of future too. Uh, young players are really, really good. Alex Ponda, the goalkeeper of River, is right now the number one of River. Mm-hmm. Uh, took the, the, the starting spot with 16 years, being a 16 year old. Wow. And she's really good. A lot of, of, of room to grow, obviously, but as a 16 year old, it's a lot of pressure, you know, being the number one of River. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a, a lot of talent that, if, if it's well uh, guided, it's going to take us to where should the Argentine football should be, but it will take time. Watch this space. Um, moving on to oh, before any listeners questions because I'm slightly surprised to report that we haven't had any listeners questions about it but just to mention Marcelo Gachardo we always talk about where's he going next what's going to happen what's the next step well I'm pleased to tell you that he has made his annual announcement that he's going to be staying for another yes. year at River um, so, so we, we can, can speculate about this for the next 11 months exactly um, 
Anyway, David Novoshevsky says, Do you think Alvarez and Almada will still be with their current clubs at the end of the January transfer window? Um, are there any rumours circulating down there that are credible? Who would Alvarez be? Um, Julian Alvarez, of course. Ah, Julian Alvarez. The, I mean, the, Alvarez, the Alvarez most likely to yeah. not be with his current club, I would say. Um, the only thing that I can think of that River fans can cling to for some hope is that, A, he might want to hang around and see how much waste he can lay to the group stage of the Copa Libertadores yeah. next year, and B, um, a lot of European clubs obviously aren't really into going for deals in January. Uh, that being said, he's got to be one of the biggest potential bargains in world football at the yeah. moment in the transfer market. Yeah, if there's a time to, to buy him, it's now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you want to sorry, Dan, if you want to compare the price that for example Lille put to Jonathan David, which is in a really good form to fifty five million, mm. you can take Julian Alvarez for ten. Yeah. Twelve. Yeah, you think so. It's not really the, dif- the difference between. Yeah, and then um, in, in three or four years' time, he's going to be. You think? Yeah, you know, if he develops the way he seems to have been doing so far, and if he doesn't, I mean, I can see if he moves to a really big European club, and ends up, you know, sixth in the pecking order or something, yeah. then I can see it just stagnating and not going anywhere. Which is, in a way, why I hope he stays at River for another year or two, um, but. Realistically, he's he's got all of the talent to do what Lisandro Martinez is doing. So, yes, absolutely. No, what am I talking about? Lautaro Martinez is what I meant. Lisandro to too. But yeah, Lis- Lisandro, but in a different position. So yeah. it's a slightly weird comparison to have accidentally made. <laughs> no, I was uh, gonna, I was gonna take it. Uh, as for Almada, ah, all sorts of fun and games there. Mm, go on. I do tell. I haven't seen um, what the the most recent conclusion of been has been, but Vélez came out. Uh, happy as happy as a clam to say, hey, look, we just sold this guy to Atlanta. Of course, they they're forgot about us. <laughs> they said a price. I can't remember if it was 24, 25 million dollars, but it was like a lot of money, an MLS record, like easily. Um, only for Atlanta to come out later the the same day and um, and say, no, no, wait a minute, I'm never heard of him. <laughs> Almost. I mean, not quite. But We've like, we talked about this guy. We've got like an option on him, but we haven't signed him. I mean, what are you talking about? What are you talking about signing for? Because it's a funny one because generally my understanding is MLS transfers, they never disclose the price. Mm. Like, that's just not done. Yeah. So I'm guessing, first of all, that didn't make Alanda very happy. Uh, and second of all, yeah, it seems Villa's jumped the gun and... Um, Atlanta at that po- at this point, at least when I read it a week ago, I think it was, uh, aren't actually in a position to sign Almada because of the weird rules in MLS about designated players and foreign players. Yeah, I've been doing a football manager save in MLS recently. God knows well, well, registration. Uh, one. <laughs> Fun. You can see, you can see that Australia Australia was, has done a. I thought Australia was complicated, and then I started one in the US. Someone at Vélez probably should have done a save just to make sure, and yeah. maybe this wouldn't have happened. Um, aside from that, in the past week, I haven't seen if there have been any developments. By I'm actually not. Hmm. Yeah, I think that the, uh, Atlanta doesn't have a, a lot to run to do until the finals play, which is yeah tomorrow. Which this is the weekend, definitely. Yeah, yeah, which is the Timbers in New York with Maxi Morales. A lot of Argentinians actually. Yes, between yeah, the, the most important one is Maxi Morales. Yeah. Um, and then, the, usually in the United States, then the draft comes in and the new mm. bargaining agreement between the players surely kind of happen. Uh, so that always delays announcements and movement <coughs> because uh, I don't know I'm, I'm playing into the territory of the of the you know the, the what if but what if if Atlanta the day before the the draft get you know, a good position in change of a lot of money and then doesn't have a lot of money because they take the, the draft spot and it's a, it's a domino, domino effect that you never know what happens until that is done. Yeah. So, and the announcement was a little bit uh, early, <laughs> to say the least. 
David, so rumours circulating down here that are credible. I mean, I'm not aware of any, but I don't pay a lot of attention. No, I've just been reading here from Oli that everything signs. It shouldn't fall through. Uh, I'm still working on his visa and and whatnot. And by the end of January, he should be on his way to Atlanta. So there you go. You heard it here first. It's completely confirmed and will definitely happen. He thinks he's gone. Vélez think he's gone. Now we just need to no, we need, find just out need if Atlanta think to he's gone. Yeah. confirm that they want him. Um, David adds, so I don't forget, I'll say it now. I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas tide and are able to see friends and family. Love to you all and all of yours from Detroit. Love to you as well, David. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank, you. Thank you. I doubt that Dan and I will get to see our... Um, uh, Genetic families. Well, you've got part of your genetic family here, of course. Now, indeed, you know, you know what I mean. We're not, going to be, we're not going to be heading to the UK anytime soon. I don't think. No. Um, Johnny says, "When will Sam replace Fernando Niembro?" If we were for me tomorrow, yes, <laughs> later today, in fact. Yeah, for the evening kickoff. I need to grow my hair out a bit. Um, do do, do you have some like catchy uh, phrases that you repeat all the time then? I mean, not that I'm aware of. You'd have to ask people who heard me commentating on the Copa America whether I was repeating myself or not. As far as I was aware, I, I didn't. But um, We need to find your catchphrase and then there'll be no stuff. Yeah. There's, there's only one way of finding out. And make, make sure it's... But, uh, yeah, I, I did mention to them at the end of the Copa, because the Copa commentary was done by the same production team who do the, the low global feed for the league, and I did mention to them that I'd be well up for joining them. And um, I haven't heard from them since, so... It's not another Atlanta situation, is it? No, I mean, to be honest, the money was a bit crap, so I'm not exactly <laughs> As long as I'm like crying into my... Wingy into the door. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I'm like that, I think we are safe. No, indeed. Um, but yeah, those are all the questions for this week. So uh, we're now going to go for a quick musical break, and when we get back, Mystic Sam will be giving you his predictions for the final weekend of action. Okay, final weekend in the Liga Profesional de Football. I almost forgot what it was called then. This is the first time it's been called that, isn't it? So we're coming to an uh, end. Yes. We're coming to an end of the very first season of it. Platense versus Vélez Sarsfield. I think Vélez will win that. Estudiantes versus Aldo Sibi uh, will be an Estudiantes win. Both of those matches are tonight. And then we have these... One, two, three, four, five matches, all at 5 p.m. tomorrow. Racing versus Godoy Cruz. I'm going for a narrow Racing win. Rosario Central versus Huracan. I'm going there for a Central win. And very boringly, I think that that would ensure that Racing and Central end up being the two in the Sudamericana, right? Uh, Argentinos versus Sarmiento. I think will be a draw. Union versus Colón. I'm going to go for an Union win, Tony. 1-0 win. First minute, header from a corner. Nothing happens for the rest of the game. Patronato versus Gimnasia, I think, will be a Gimnasia win. Atletico Tucumán versus River, I'll go for a draw. Boca versus Central Cordoba, will be a Boca win. San Lorenzo versus Newells, um... I'll go for Newell's there. Defensa y Justicia versus Lanús should be, <coughs> excuse me, should be one of the more entertaining matches of the season. Uh, certainly of this weekend, it is third versus, oh, Lanús have fallen all the way down to eighth. How's that happened? I thought I thought like that was going to be third versus fourth until about a week ago. Anyway, I'll go for Defensa y Justicia to win it by the odd goal in five. Uh, Tacheres versus Independiente, I think will be an Independiente win, and Banfield versus Arsenal this Sarandí, the only match on Monday night. <coughs> I don't know what's going on with my throat. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going for a Banfield win there. Um, main complaint of this weekend is that for some reason the Boca match tomorrow evening, yeah, sun Saturday evening, is on at 10 o'clock it starts. Which even by the far too late standards of Argentine football is is too late. It's just 
Yeah, I don't mind yeah, staying yeah. up late and watching things until late, but at 10 o'clock I, on a Saturday night, I kind of want to watch a film with my girlfriend rather than watch another football game. Um, anyway, some entertaining ones to close the season out. And we will probably be back next week to sort of just have a general overview of 2021 as a whole. Sounds nice. Uh, in a footballing sense, of course, in an Argentine footballing sense. Um, but yeah, our memories of it and what we will... Uh, treasure in our minds for years to come but for now thank you very much for listening and goodbye from tony goodbye from english down goodbye and from me goodbye